On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Salim Onal. He is the Director of Engineering at Ladder Life. We're going to be talking about, you know, what happens to a company when engineering starts doubling every six months. There's a lot of components that go into that. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges in managing that type of growth, becoming a people-first culture uh, with delivery. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the changes. Um, we're going to touch on... Um, you know, potentially, how do you support non-traditional engineering? We'll see if we get there. Uh, we only have 30 minutes, so we'll do our best. But Salim, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's start off at the top. Um, if we can uh, tell everyone what Ladder Life does, and then what are some of the responsibilities that you have as the director of engineering? Sure. So Leather Life is a life insurance company. Uh, one thing that we do differently than most other life insurance companies is that we make an offer to our customers in big part of our customers, big chunk of our customers in less than five minutes. So unlike the traditional life insurance companies where it can take weeks, maybe even months, uh, we do it much, much faster. And as I, my, I, I am one of the directors in the company. I work with three sub teams, um, uh, which basically focus on our partnerships. So, so one of my teams focuses on our API. One of them is our data pipeline and data reporting, and another one is our agents platform and other partnerships. Uh, I also work on a couple of people system related problems or challenges uh, for our engineering team and um, hiring onboarding um, kind of how we empower or engage with engineers in the product and roadmap planning how we empower engineers our engineers how we move to or how we balance people first culture with delivery are some of the the, the general problems i'm working on awesome all right let's dive into the topic um you know, you mentioned uh, we'd been talking about kind of high growth, doubling the engineering um, every six months. So maybe just set, set, give us a little context of um, kind of the growth you're seeing and, and we can use that as a starting uh, point. So, so I actually joined Leather at the end of last growth cycle. So I joined in at the end of May, 31st of May. And at that point, the company, as far as I know, already grew double in, in, in almost six months. Uh, but I have, in, in I also last job in Quip. When I joined, it was around 20 people. When I left, I believe we were close to, not when I left, but at the top, I think we were close to 120 people. So I kind of went through that this this cycle in my last company. And now, now at Leather, we are growing much slower pace, much more intentional, but because we just grow very fast at the beginning of the year. Uh, so I, anyway, I have gone through this cycle in, in, in my last job at, at, at the, as a different role. I started as an engineer at Quip and I switched to management later. But uh, like one thing I feel that there are some common patterns for any company who which goes through this growth cycle. Uh, I think for you to succeed, I feel you have to have some systems in place, some people systems in place. Great onboarding experience is probably one of the most important things in making sure while you grow, you grow it in a healthy way. I, 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 that's my opinion, but I think onboarding process should be intentional and thoughtful. 
it shouldn't be only about like technical challenge. It shouldn't only prepare your new hires for technical challenges or it shouldn't only give them the technical knowledge they need, but I think it should also focus on culture and making sure new hires feel like they're part of the team. I'm a huge believer, strong believer of like hiring good people, hiring the right people and keeping them happy is the key. I believe the rest will just follow. And I believe in that idea or philosophy. And in line with that, I think making sure your new hires feel they feel like they belong is a big part of a successful onboarding experience for me. It has always been important. It was always important, but with COVID and like oh, with post-COVID also, it, it became extra important because in the age of like remote work, I feel that this, this is double, triple important. Yeah, I mean, you know, 100%. I guess maybe let's, you know, let's peel back the onion a little bit. I mean, I know you mentioned previous job, you well, had a different perspective of growth, current job, you're already joining with, you know, some growth in place. Um, I guess either way, when you when you have growth, there's going to be some new challenges. Obviously, you're stressing previous, you know, structures, models, whatnot. What are some of the challenges when you're when you're dealing with that growth and you're like, okay, well, you know, we have a lot more people. Um, what are the top things that you have to take in account that you'll start looking at adjusting? A personal thing, like when you're a small company, you don't need that much structure, which is usually a good thing. I feel like if you're only five, ten people and you need to have a lot of structure, a lot of rules, guidelines. There's something wrong there. Like you, you shouldn't need that with five, 10, 15 people. I think that the working together should feel more smooth, in my opinion. But that, that helpful behavior, that helpful uh, habit, I think gets not that helpful as you grow. Like when you pass 20, 30, 40 engineers, I think you need those structures. Uh, and, but I think finding the right balance, in my opinion, is a big challenge, like not introducing too much, red, too much red tape, but also having enough people systems in place to, again, support that growth to, to make sure we talk about onboarding, onboarding is good to make sure documentation is up to date, like to make sure I don't like your release pipelines are still handling the load. The on-call rotation still makes sense. Hiring still is like works for you. Uh, it works like kind of it, it, it is it's hiring again. I do believe hiring is very important part of set, setting a good culture, and uh, your hiring you, the system you have in place meets your needs at your current scale. Like I said, I think all like maybe to summarize, I feel being intentional and mindful about the people systems. In my opinion, is the biggest part, is the biggest challenge, but I also, in my opinion, biggest differentiator for success. Absolutely. I guess as you talk, start talking about the people systems to account for more people, I mean, you don't always have to complicate the system, right? I mean, we don't always have to add a ton more process because obviously, as if you are a startup, you still want to grow fast. I mean, process isn't always a good balance. How do you start balancing? Obviously, you mentioned being intentional in the people systems. You have to handle a different type of growth but you don't want to slow things down. Is there a balance that you're trying to strike? Uh, I personally, that's again my personal view. I'm not sure whether there's just surge around it. I, I think it's very similar to technical systems in the sense uh, you test it, pilot it, and then you debug it. If they're like slowness, if 
something takes two weeks now instead of two days in the past, I think that that's a great debugging exercise for you to do and understand. Uh, like from your point of, I don't think, at least I'm not aware of any, any magic answers, but I think observing it and kind of debugging whatever is not working is the right approach. That's how I feel. Like when it comes to balancing, I, I think um, whenever I, I, I'm a huge favor of, again, kind of observing and then looking at, okay, it took us two weeks to uh, figure out that problem or it took us three weeks to make an offer, for instance. Just we are much faster at leather. But let's assume hypothetically that's, and I do think like that that's a great thing to debug. Look at like why it took so long. Is it because of the lack of process or too much process? Is it, uh, or do we keep doing the same thing and again, again, how much repetition is there in, in our in our day-to-day flow? I'm I, so, so maybe to answer your question, I, I think it's much more about like observing your existing patterns, processes, and kind of debugging it, finding the bugs and being intentional in how you like fix those bugs. But I, I think this doesn't mean you just go and do like point fixes. You don't just fix that that tiny thing. I think I personally believe you should use all this as data and then build a mental model around it. Like at our scale, what makes sense? Uh, from hiring perspective, for instance, uh, I, I do think like at the, for a company like us, I think it makes sense to be a bit more organized in the way how we onboard our interviewers, how we engage with the um, potential like the candidates. Uh, like then we start telling them about the company, how much feedback we want to collect, etc. What kind of interviews do we want to conduct? These are, I think it has to be like, I, I feel we are at the scale at our company where we, we need to have more documentation around it. We need to go and see which of our existing interview types still work for us, which are not. Kind of it goes to, I think, my idea of debugging. Like we are at a point where we can collect more granular feedback from the candidates, what they like, what they didn't like. And maybe having one or two dedicated people who feels motivated and who's also accountable to improve these processes. So rather than like it, it's everyone's, I think when you're small, most of these problems, people problems are everyone's responsibility. It stops working after a certain threshold. It becomes like no one's responsibility. I, so I do think you need to fix that. As soon as it feels like there are issues, systemic issues, which are not addressed, I think that that's a very clear sign that, that you need a dedicated owner for that domain. I think someone needs to own it and be kept accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think you, you, know, you mentioned, um, you know, observing, then deciding what to address, um, and, and also, you know, hopefully finding someone responsible. And yeah, I know a lot of times we're always talking about people first culture, you know, finding that balance with delivery. Um, I guess when it, I, I guess to you, obviously we're just talking about your opinion. So I know, you know, it's not representative of everything, but when you hear people first culture, what does that mean to you? So for me, at least it does not mean there's no accountability. It doesn't mean nobody takes any responsibility. For me, it's the opposite. I think in a, in a real people first couch. So, so let me take a step back. I really like this Victor Hugo quote. It is, uh, it's easy to be nice or being, being good is easy. What is difficult is being fair or being just. 
I, I feel that, that, in my opinion, that's the definition of people first culture. It, it doesn't mean you are nice to every single person. I think it means you are fair to people. You acknowledge um, the people who are doing a good job. You support them. And if they're going through some hard time in their personal life, you give them enough growth opportunities. You build against systems, people systems, so people know where their career is going, whether your company is still the right fit for them, etc. I think these are all, in my opinion, like being people first, but it doesn't mean someone who doesn't deliver versus someone who delivers, like who sticks with their timelines, etc. are treated the same. I, I do think when you move, you try to be too nice, you are hurting or people who are doing a good job. I think you're like, I think actions always speak louder than words. You may come and say that, oh, like we, we are people first. We are like, we really care about everyone's growth. But then if, if the underlying behavior is there's no accountability, there's no like clear responsibility. I think that, that you then losing, you end up losing like good people. So, so for me, the way I see it is, and um, Having people systems in place to support people's growth, again, uh, remembering that you work with people and delivery timelines are somewhat art delivery timelines are sometimes most of them are artificial, but also balancing it well with like great accountability and responsibility culture. Yeah, and I think that's the tricky part, right? Like, I mean, you want you know people first culture is the ideal, but then we all have to deliver and. And there's some friction, you know, depending on your responsibility and accountability with delivery, there's some friction there because, you know, sometimes people first means, you know, you're you're trying to empower people, have them be more responsible, accountable, which I think is what you want. But then if you have people who aren't on the delivery side supporting that same ideal and they're more worried about, you know, the, the feedback or whatnot, um, I think that that could potentially be at odds with each other. From my point of view, it's not a problem with the people first culture. It's more like a symptom of like another underlying problem in the culture. In the sense, like if someone needs to deliver, but I think it depends on where the like why the delivery is delayed, right? Like it might be something totally out of their control. Uh, it might be something in their personal life. Uh, again, I think in that case being people first means slowing down, understanding why it didn't happen, learning from that mistake, like having a blameless culture. But if it is someone constantly not delivering just because they're not motivated, they are, they lack some important technical skills, I think that then it's a problem with your hiring. It's a problem with your onboarding. So either you don't hire the right set of people, or again, you do, don't do a great job with their onboarding, or it's the career growth trajectory in your company, they're not motivated. Or again, you don't have a clear accountability culture, etc. So I feel like when there is tension between people first and delivery, most of the time it's because it's a symptom of some other underlying big problem. And don't get me wrong, I think every like every human being, every company has problems, issues. And I, I don't say this in from like a judgmental perspective. It's more like an observation, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I think you know you mentioned you know, people systems should you know grow and support people. Um, you, know, you mentioned having the right environment. People should feel like they should excel. I guess at some point you're you're trying to hire your engineering team. 
you know, obviously everyone would like to have a lot of senior people, you know, a lot of people they can just have code and and not you know, need to manage versus maybe some more mid-level or junior people. How do you start finding that balance so that your team isn't too lopsided with too many seniors or too few, you know, junior or mid-level engineers? From my point of view, I think it touches the career growth trajectory again, because it's, I feel you should have different paths for people to grow. Like some people are amazing individual contributors that they, they are so talented. They don't like to manage people or they don't want to even most of the time lead or mentor other people. They want to like work on their own project with maybe two or three already senior engineers all the way to people who like people management, who like to work on people-related challenges and systems. I think that there is this like huge kind of it, it is huge spectrum of what people enjoy doing. I personally think if you have to be very intentional in how you build your career growth trajectory in the company, so there is a path for everyone. Like you shouldn't force people to manage people because like after a certain level, the only way to get promoted is you need to become a manager or even a tech lead. I think you have to have a very clear people manager growth path. I think you need to have a very clear like tech lead kind of a role growth path, maybe like a team tech lead, like area tech leads, kind of group tech lead, where people who enjoy leading technical challenges or te- technical projects uh, be, be the technical thought leader but don't like people management part of it all the way to i think people who are like amazing individual contributors they are the first people to demo a feature they can go and do it in like two days five days but it may take like a week couple of weeks for a team of three people etc i think you need to in my opinion identify people's strengths that they want to grow into like which path they want to grow towards and then I think have have systems in place to support each growth path. Then I feel it it just balances it out. Of course, hiring I think should be intentional, but uh, my observation is it's most of the time you do most companies do a good job with hiring. Like or they they do a good job in, in terms of diverse of hiring, diverse of talent in hiring, but then most people leave because they don't find a good trajectory for their growth in, in their company. So I think that that part is very important. Absolutely. I, I guess when you're starting to, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and as you're, you know, bringing in, you know, engineers that, you know, have that traditional CS background and, you know, they kind of fit within the team because, you know, let's say you've, you've, you have a little bit more of those up front and you start bringing in people without a CS degree or maybe non-traditional engineers and you need to support them within the team. Do you start looking at different systems or different ways of supporting someone that, let's say, doesn't necessarily fit, you know, the typical molds, not not typical molds, but the typical profiles that you might have been hiring for? So we have a lot of people who don't have a traditional CS background in in, in leather right now. Uh, But to be honest with you, onboarding is is a big growth for big, big, uh, like, is one of the areas for our growth for, for this quarter and the next quarter. We are we are really revamping our onboarding process and try to be I think we did a decent to good job like in how we onboarded our engineers who don't come from a traditional background. But like right now as of literally like not these days we are thinking about how we can support them even more. 
but how their experience differ from people who come from a more traditional background. I have some on my opinions, some of my observations, but we tried also every company is unique. Every company, like every person is unique and then every onboarding experience is unique. Nowadays we are trying to, so I don't have a very good answer in, in, in the scope of leather, but I think that that is a active open problem for us, how we can kind of, the, the first step for us is, Similar to what I said before, like we are trying to collect data. We are trying to look at people who joined recently and how, what their background was and then what kind of challenges they face so we can help them better. We can help the next generation of buyers better. Uh, but like from my past experience, I feel when people change the career, careers, they are most of them much more motivated about their new career trajectory. <laughs> So, so motivation usually is not a problem there. I think they're more eager to learn, but sometimes they lack the the, the fundamental, some CS fundamentals that are not uh, necessary for everyday work that much, but that become critical in certain scenarios or certain cases. Like when you decide, when you need to design, and when you have a very algorithm heavy challenge in front of you, like certain kind of knowledge becomes really important. So I do think two things. One, like doing a proper project match is important in my opinion. Uh, like, like kind of how, who you put in that project and who you... So, so if you put all the people with non-traditional background in a project which is very algorithm heavy, I think that you're not setting anyone for success and yourself, including, your, including yourself as well. But so I think you need to balance like people who have pretty good traditional test background, algorithm heavy background versus people who don't. If the, I think that's a great learning opportunity for both parties. They learn from each other. And then I think you also kind of keep expanding the knowledge base. That, that's one thing I found helpful in my last role, for instance. Absolutely. I mean, I think finding, you know, the opportunities for uh, people of different levels of different you know, capabilities in our working. I think it's a good observation that it's an opportunity for both, actually. And you know, when you're looking at potentially um, as you're trying to move people into management and, and and have them grow past the current roles, when you're starting to envision that stage of growth, um, what kind of systems do you need to put around somebody to make sure they're prepared? You know they have a best chance of succeeding as they're moving from their IC to their like their management position. So, so just to clarify, I personally think there has to be other growth paths for people who don't want to become a manager. But someone if someone wants wants to become a manager, uh, I personally think like having an intern is an internship system is great because it's it's a time box. Like they only work with an intern in the summer, and it's a, it it gives you a taste whether you would like management or not. And again, if you don't like, that's fine because at the end of the summer, the intern is gone. If, if, even if they come back next year, it, it's again, it's uh, the, the expectation is set until the end of summer. So I feel it's a very safe way of testing, uh, giving a chance for people to manage uh, people for a short time. I personally think that another way, another system is you. We talk about the people system. Every company has some non-technical problems or semi-technical problems uh, around, again, like hiring, onboarding, on-call rotations, engineering empowerment, um, like diversity, equity, inclusion, like DEI. So I do think creating some satellite teams or working groups and letting your 
future aspiring managers lead those satellite teams is, I think, a very good practice. Uh, because at the end of the day, management is, of course, it's, it's they are an engineering management. It's, it's an engineering job. But I think big part of management is has nothing to do with the engineering part of the things. It's like it's the people like the challenges is, is is a challenge for most engineers. So I you can get that experience opportunity I think through other working groups again satellite teams within the company. I feel they are low risk because. Let's say you kick off a diversity hiring working group. And if this person does a great job, I think it makes them feel more confident that they can do a good job as a manager. I think it gives you also confidence that like you can give start giving them reports. If they don't, if they don't enjoy that role, managing people, leading people, then I feel it, it, it's, 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 it's again safer. It's on the safe side. Like you can just change the lead of that satellite group or working group without really impacting too many people. So, so I do like, like, again, in terms one, I think kind of giving people chance to lead kind of working groups, satellite teams, et cetera, is another way I feel helpful. It, it gives the out of signal whether that person will be a good manager or not. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's some great observations. I think some, uh, Good uh, opportunities for someone uh, moving into management. Um, I was going to ask you, I know we're um, coming towards the end of our time here. Um, if there was an opportunity to have a future guest answer a specific question for you or talk about a topic that you like to hear about, um, what would you like that to be? So from my point of view, one, I'm always always interested in the, the very first, one of the first questions that we discuss, how people balance people first with delivery. I think it's, it's I, I told you that like, I have a lot of opinions around it, but I, I'm, I'm generally curious how people look at this and how they assume they care about this, like how they manage the, they, their teams, their processes, their people. And two, from my point of view, um, I'm really interested in learning more about how people look at diverse, like in general DDI and how, like what they, what are what are they doing? Uh, what kind of programs, initiatives they have in their companies to, to address some of the diversity issues in the tech industry? Awesome. I like I like both of them. Uh, very good topics. Um, and, and also, if someone wants to contact you, uh, what's a good way of getting hold of you if they want to talk, contact you about anything you've mentioned on the podcast? So my first name, last name, Selim Now they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. They can also send me an email. It's my first name, last name, Selim Onal at gmail.com. And I just find. Okay, awesome. We'll make sure we include those in the show notes uh, in case you want to reach out to Salim uh, to to continue the conversation with them. I um, appreciate your time. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I think some super great uh, points that hopefully people can uh, take away. And thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. Awesome. That's it for this episode. We'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, uh, two things. One, if the podcast is useful, uh, please share it with someone else that you think might find use uh, for it. Uh, that's how we've been growing. Throw a review on uh, Apple Podcasts if if you do like the podcast. That'll certainly help the growth and reach. Also, if you know someone uh, that can talk to uh, either the uh, topics that uh, Salim mentioned, uh, reach out to me. Or if you know someone, have them reach out to me. I'd love to have them on and cover uh, those as new uh, topics for the show. Uh, that's it for this episode. Back again. Thank you and goodbye.